this is Marilyn Guadagnino. Welcome to the Living Stress-Free Podcast. From Rochester, New York, on the edge of America. On the edge of America. Hi, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's a beautiful winter morning, and we are so happy to spend a little time with you during this holiday season. Holiday season. It really it looks like a holiday season out there. <laughs> well, yeah, where we are in Rochester, there's a, it snowed um, last weekend, and so it's it's looks beautiful. It's so it's beautiful. Really beautiful, especially early in the morning. And you know what I'm excited about? For this last several years, I've been wanting to take a drive to see the Christmas lights around the city, you know, around Rochester and the outlying areas. And because of things coming up, we haven't been able to do it. So tonight, tonight, we are taking our Christmas light drive yes. and I can't wait we're all gassed up we'll take the dog in the car the dogs the dog whoever wants to come and uh, <laughs> we'll ask them see what they think <laughs> but um, Rochester's great about they all you have to do those of you out there from Rochester is just Google you know 2019 Christmas light displays and they give you a whole map of like a whole route to take that circles around and goes into the different um, outlying suburbs and who's got the best houses and everything. So you don't even have to like randomly drive around aimlessly. They give you a whole map. So Well, you know, th- th- there's another side to this too. Once they start telling everybody about all the different areas, the neighborhoods that are lit up with Christmas decorations, then they start competing with each other. They you know? do. And it's better for people like you and me. <laughs> A spe- a spectators, right? I mean, let them go to town, you know? That's right. It's nothing like a good, healthy competition. I want to see a 200-foot Santa. That would be something. <laughs> I remember years ago, it's gone now, Crescent Beach Hotel oh, on that Edgemere Drive. Remember that? They were, they were known for their Christmas. It was Christmas day. madness. It was. It, it was. It was like. He was over the top. It was gaudy it to was. the max. I bet you Santa himself would not go <laughs> because it was just, remember, there was trains. You, you, you'd be eating your dinner, your, your cream de mint ice cream. <laughs> For dessert, and there'd be a little train going in the on the ceiling, like literally around the room. Remember? I know, and it was worse than that because um, <laughs> we went like a few years before they shut down, and they they don't exist anymore. But every table had <laughs> every table had all these Christmas like little tchotchkes on it, like these little. Like you'd be eating, you'd have your, you know, your bowl of soup and your salad, and right next to your water glass is this little, you know, this little reindeer, this little well, Santa. There's, there's no room on the table. Yeah, there's no room for salad and appetizer with all the. You couldn't do it, you know. It was. So they, they went out of business because nobody could put their food on the table. Very sad. Oh, but it was funny. It was fun to go and just see how over the top somebody could actually be. Yeah, they were Santa madness. <laughs> and they were rumored to be, they used to say, oh, be, they could see our lights from Toronto. Yeah, you know? they, well, they were, he was competitive, you know. It was, it was wonderful. Oh, but Christmas lights are my favorite part of the season. I love the lights. I love the so lights. So tonight's the night? Yeah. So what we wanted to talk about today has to do with self-care. And um, I've noticed in a lot of the one-to-one work I've been doing with people lately that nobody's able to do self-care right now with the holiday season. And it's been going on for the last month. Everybody's been telling me, I know what I need to do to feel better and bring my stress down, but I just can't get to it right now. And people get so stressed out, they don't even want to. 
they'd rather you know just do something else that's more stressful and um and I was talking to somebody yesterday who was saying that she finally realized self-care is not easy. And there's this, and I think she's not alone. There's this thinking that, well, oh, self-care, that's easy to do. It's everything else that I'm doing that's hard. But actually, what's easy in life is what you're familiar with. So if you're familiar with your stress and feeling overwhelmed and busy and all that, that's what's going to seem easy. And actually doing something about self-care and stress is going to be what's difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's this notion that it's indulgent, you know, self-indulgent. Exactly. And, and people are quite, you know, cynical about it. They are. You know, I was self-care. You know. <laughs> right, self-care. That's so true. <laughs> like, can you imagine if you just changed the words a little bit? Like, eating, you eat. You know? <laughs> So yeah, true. no, there is. There's a real kind of look down your nose at people. There as is. if there's something uh, heroic or wonderful about you how know, much you destroying, can get done destroying your mind and body. <laughs> no, it's true. If you tell someone, oh, you know what I did over the weekend, and you go down this laundry list of 25 things, right. people would be like, wow, man, that's incredible. Like nobody says, you, you're an idiot. You know? well, right. Well, <laughs> that gets do? back to what. You know, you, you've often said this, that like attracts like. Yes. So when you're stressed out, you actually don't want somebody who's not stressed out to come along and help you get mm -hmm. unstressed. Mm -hmm. You might think you do, but you actually you want somebody who resonates with you, somebody who's also stressed mm -hmm. and somebody who feels like you. And although that's understandable, now you've got two people in the gutter. <laughs> Exactly. No, it's very, very hard this time of year. So that's why we wanted to spend some time giving you some tips on that. I actually heard on the radio on the way to work last week, this, um, they had some fundraiser, I think for the Cancer, Cancer Society, and it was yoga and wine. And I thought, okay, this is their, their answer to, you know, just saying a yoga class People are too stressed out to do that, yeah, you know. Yep. But you say yoga and wine, and they, it's smart move. They probably got a better mm -hmm. turnout because of that. But yeah, it's um, nothing against wine. Well, <laughs> well, if I can just say, that, that's why I think this whole competitive yoga movement is taking off. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's nothing competitive about yoga. If you really look into the heart of yoga as it was taught in India. It's, there's no competition involved. That's you know, right. There's, there's not even a strenuousness to it. it. It doesn't have that kind of flavor to it. But right now, we're so stressed that they had to create a stressed form of yoga <laughs> for it to resonate with us. And I think that's why people are going towards it. Because when you're stressed, the thing that makes you feel in control is that you're doing something. Mm -hmm. you know, that yes. And so you, there's a psychological comfort but the problem with it is, is a lot of time all you're doing is reinforcing the stress that you already feel. Exactly. So psychologically you're feeling better, but actually you're not improving anything. That's so true. That's so true. So we wanted to give you three suggestions for the self-care issue right now at this time period. And the first one has to do with the fact that people have a tendency to do things in extremes with their schedule. You mm -hmm. know, have you noticed this? Where um, either... They have a really, really tight, filled with things to do schedule, or they decide, I'm not making a schedule at all. I'm just going to like wander through my day mm -hmm. and do the best I can to survive. <laughs> right. right. That's my schedule. So our suggestion to help avoid these extremes is 
to have a fluid schedule, a flexible schedule. But so, a schedule. But still a schedule. So yeah, I say think, a little more about that. Well, I think that when we're stressed, one of the things that we do, everybody does this, is that we do things and we think of things in terms of extremes. You know, like for instance, if you're a heavy smoker and the doctor tells you, you, you know, you've got to stop or else you're really going to be in trouble, the first thing you do is get stressed out of your brain. So the first thing you do is think about putting the brakes on completely, stopping everything, okay? And then in your mind, when that does, if that does not work out, you, you, you know, you have difficulty stopping, then you give up completely. Mm -hmm. And so when people are stressed, they're stuck between these polarized opposites all the time. Mm -hmm. And so the one thing you want to do to break that momentum is to stick to a schedule but be fluid. In other words, do both things, not one or the other. So what would that look like? Let's say I have my schedule mm -hmm. and, um, and I'm trying, I, I hear, okay, living stress-free, they're telling me to have a fluid schedule. So what would mm -hmm. that look like for my day? Well, okay, so we teach people meditation. So let's use that as an example because that's a challenge for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. A lot of people want to do meditation. They know it's helpful to them, but they find difficult to fit into their schedule. So let's just use that as an example. Okay. So you, you decide that you're going to meditate for 30 minutes or 15 minutes every morning. And so you do it for three or four days in a row, and then your schedule starts, you know, coming along, and 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 kind of you you feel that you just can't keep up with it, so you cut your meditation, all right. And then what happens to most people is they feel bad that they didn't follow through on what they planned on doing, and that kind of is the first step to failing. Mm -hmm. um, the feeling bad. The feeling bad. Yeah, because what that leads to is giving up eventually. Yes, it does. So what you want to do is you want to say, okay, I can't meditate this morning, but I'm going to get it in today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to find a time today to do it. Mm -hmm. And then if you say later on, well, the day's so busy, I can't get 30 minutes. Well, then you do 15. And if you can't do 15, you do 10. But you do something. Yes. Okay, you do something. Yes. And if, if something happens where you just can't do it that day at all, it's not possible, then you do it the first time. Then you wake up early the next morning and do it. Yes, I think exercise is the similar to that. I love yes. the meditation example, but I'm thinking exercise. Yeah, same thing, same thing. You know, you, you want to get to the gym, but maybe you can't get to the gym. Right. And I know this happens to me, and I have this, this DVD I use at home sometimes when I can't get to the gym. It's a... It's a walking video, but they have you do these exercises while you walk. And that is set up to be a one mile to four mile, you can pick and choose. And so like, maybe I don't have time to get to the gym. So I think to myself, okay, I can do three miles of the walking video. But then maybe I get up, I get up a little later, I'm a little tired, and right. I realize. So my, my go-to is usually, ah, forget it, forget it. Of course. I'll just try again tomorrow. But what I really need to do is just do the one mile yes. on the video, and then at least I did something. Yes, yes, keep on track. Mm -hmm. And I think the main thing about keeping on track is not so much that you do a given amount of anything, but that you do something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you you know, I'm really big into balancing opposites. I really believe that the mind works in terms of opposites. You know? mm -hmm. So, so on the other hand, if you are flexible with your schedule, you also have to go to the other side sometimes of that equation 
and make sure that you go to retreats or do something where you do intensive work. Mm-hmm. You, know, mm-hmm. you, you can't, you know, you always have to keep compromising with mm-hmm. yourself, but mm-hmm. you also have to stay on track at the same time. Right. That's, you know, that to me is real discipline. It's, it, it's constant discipline because the way we're talking about it, there's always something that can be done. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I really think that a lot of times we sabotage ourselves. We don't like the idea that there's always something that can be done. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and we give up. We want to take a break. And there's nothing wrong with breaks as long as you stay on track. Mm-hmm. You can also say, I'm going to not meditate or exercise this weekend. But then you really must get back on Monday morning. And you really must do that. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're capable of that kind of flexibility and discipline at the same time, I don't think there's anything that can stop you. So I think what I hear you say is discipline, and I'm going to add my own word here, discipline isn't about effort in terms of strenuous, no. hard effort. No. And exertion, it's about awareness. It's just being attentive, that you always are aware and attentive yes. and you make it work for you however that day is. But, right. So you don't stop the attention. No, the attention, you're right. What you, I think what you're, and I'm, and I'm not sure, I want to make sure you're saying this, but being strenuous leads to depletion. Absolutely. You know, we all know that. If you, if you get into a boxing ring or a lift a weightlifting competition and you overextend yourself everyone knows you need to rest you need to recuperate to get back to baseline mm-hmm. so that happens in everything in life so so being strenuous isn't the point like you said it's keeping your eye on the ball mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's your attention mm-hmm. it's attention yes you like for instance back to meditation because I, I teach people meditation back to meditation you know you Keep your attention on being a meditator. Mm-hmm. You don't ever take your eye off that ball. You always, you know, even if you mess up or don't practice for a while or whatever, you never forget that you're going to do this, and you stick with it, and you get and you get to it. And whatever it takes to keep your attention on what we're talking about here, about well, it's, it's about developing a lifestyle. Right. It's about developing a lifestyle where self-care is incorporated in the Absolutely. lifestyle. That's what we're talking about here. Absolutely. And um, whatever it takes to keep your attention on that, whether it be that you look at an inspirational message every morning, whether it be, you know, maybe setting up an appointment with whoever you work with, counselor, coach, right. I had a client right. tell me that no, earlier this no, week. No, absolutely. She said, thank God I'm seeing you more often because you are my reminder to keep attentive to this stuff. You know, whatever it takes that makes you do that, do That's it. Right. Sticky notes in your bathroom. That's right. Whatever <laughs> rituals help you. So that's that. Our second suggestion for this self-care issue during this difficult time is getting over your resistance related to taking care of yourself. Yes. There is this underlying resistance there is. that people have to this issue. Yes, we must all confess this. <laughs> it's confession Everybody time. take a moment of silence and just be honest with yourself and say the truth to yourself. You don't have to tell anybody else. Just tell yourself just one time the truth that when it comes to taking care of yourself, you feel a little bit selfish. You feel a little bit bad. Let's just sit with that idea. Mm-hmm. That's an important thing to recognize. It's okay. 
It's it's really difficult for it's us. It's okay it really to is. acknowledge that. It's very difficult. <laughs> and our whole society and most of our families, by the way, our best functioning families, True. always mm. teach something that is dysfunctional, which is that you know they gave all the praise to the person. You can get if you go into a group of people and say, "Hi, I just worked myself to death." You know, people would you know they'd go applaud Yay. you. You know, if you go in and say, hey, you know what I did this weekend? I took great care of myself. I went to a spa and I did this and I did that. You know, believe me, people are just going to go to their coffee. They're going to, you know, whatever it is, you know. <laughs> Nobody ever won an employee of the month award no, for, taking for care of telling their boss, you know, I really took care of myself this <laughs> week. <laughs> you don't get rewarded for that stuff. And yeah, yeah, our society is set up so that we feel guilty. For taking the time to take care of ourselves. Yeah, we sure do. I, th I would say that's one of the number one reasons, like being, bringing back to your meditation example, why people do not meditate is they feel guilty that they're not doing, quote, more important things for my family. Yes, or you whoever know? your employer yeah, is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so somehow we have to turn this perception around that, the resistance to taking care of yourself is what you know this is based on like inaccurate information we've been given mm -hmm. well first we have to acknowledge that we actually have a hard time taking mm -hmm. care of ourselves mm -hmm. most of us i don't think are, are honestly even at that point true it, it's very very difficult for somebody to say I, I i want to take care of myself most mm -hmm. people actually say i need to take care of myself Mm -hmm. They can't even say I want to. That, take yes, care that's so true. Itself. It's a need, not a it's want. A, it's a it's a real shame factor. It's that's that's really true. An SF, a shame factor. That's really true. That's really true. Yeah, what is it about ourselves that we aren't as important as everybody else? What well, it's is backwards. That? It's backwards because you know if you don't have money in the bank, you can't give to charity. Mm -hmm. You know, well, if you don't have internal resources, you can't do anything for anybody else. That's right. So it's completely illogical. It's it's illogical. It's based on the notion that that those who give what they don't have should somehow be rewarded. Yeah. Um, when actually they'll fail at helping other people. So if your goal is to help other people, to help society then you don't really have any other choice except for to take very good care of yourself yes that is so essential and not being said enough and i know there's been some great meditation teachers and spiritual leaders who have said peace begins within it goes a lot with peace and like yes. if you if people want there to they've be all peace, said it. yeah they, yeah it's true they've all said it if you want peace to be in the world and and it has to start with you find yourself your own inner peace right. and then you're able to help you know, with the different causes and the different advocate, yes. advocating, but you, you have to start with yourself. Right. Well, that's why so many social activists, and I mean, and I'm, I'm saying that in a praiseworthy way, you know, because I love social activists. That's why they exhaust themselves. Some of them have committed suicide. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they, they have not been able to endure mm -hmm. because they gave so, such strenuous efforts without taking care of themselves so to me this is a spiritual lesson part of humility is being so humble 
that you take care of yourself. <laughs> no, you're, you're, that's so true. It's so true. And, you know, sadly, I see it in the work I do with, like, parents that talk about their children who have grown, their teenagers now, let's say. And they've shared with me, you know, I've, I was so stressed out in raising my child that they're afraid they contributed to some of the anxiety issues their child has. Sure. And, and, you know, and that's something nobody wants to talk about. But right. if, if you're a parent, your inner state and your ability to have self-care and take care of yourself right. is so essential for the how your children will view and perceive the world. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, but yeah, again, you don't hear that stressed very much. Well, no, because you hear everything about the abusive parent, the abusive parent, the abuse. Of course we want to stop the children from being abused. Mm -hmm. You know, absolutely, that should be our top priority. But at the same time, the abuser, mm -hmm. we have to ask ourselves, why did that person get so out of balance? Yes. Was that person able to take care of themselves? Did they know how to take care of themselves? I would say 100% of the time the answer is no. No. So if we really want to stop abuse, we have to help everybody get permission to take care of themselves. And abuse is a great big example, but you know, you don't have to be an abuser to, just if you're a really anxious mom or dad, that feeling is going right. to your kids absolutely and then then the kids in their 20s are filled with they have panic attacks and things that they don't know why I'm not I'm not suggesting that that happens all the time but it's right. something to be aware of that your inner state is passing on to your family your friends it's and a contributing family. factor and so I think we're kind of hitting strongly that society is against this take care of yourself take care of yourself it's always want you to take care of your job and take care of this and that and but we really need to start focusing the attention more on self-care. And the third suggestion we have is how the fact that our ability towards self-care increases our empathy. Mm -hmm. And empathy towards others is is very helpful, important, and it helps make society as a whole mm -hmm. work more smoothly. Absolutely. And there's a connection between self-care and empathy that I think people don't realize or forget. Right. No, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think that empathy is an extension of self-care. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you empathize with someone, you want to help them. It's a natural tendency to compassionately want to help them, you know, ease their suffering. But how can you do that if you don't even know how to ease your own suffering? Mm -hmm. It's not possible, you know. It's it's like a surgeon who doesn't didn't go to medical school. <laughs> you may have all the good intentions in the world, but um, you know, you can't really help. You can't be effective. You can't be skillful. Exactly, and we actually I don't know the name of the area of the brain, but there there's there is part of the prefrontal cortex I believe that has if the more stressed you are and the more stress chemicals are pouring out your cortisol and adrenaline that kills your ability to be empathetic and they actually did studies that showed the more stress a person has the less cortisol have, the more the, the more cortisol and adrenaline they have the less empathy they have well that makes sense because you're you're in fight you know exactly or flight or fight so of course you're not going to be empathetic at that moment <laughs> that's right that's right it's survival mode right that's what you're you're survival mm-hmm 
So again, the three suggestions we have for the self-care that's not easy this time of year is the fluid schedule that doesn't have extremes, the getting over your resistance that taking care of yourself is okay, and that your self-care directly relates to your ability to be empathetic to those around you. So things to Absolutely. remember, things to remember. And especially this time of year because, you know, the pressure's on, the pressure's on. Get that house decorated, get those trees up, get those get gifts the bought. Yeah, there's a lot going on. The food, you know, the mm -hmm. family The money, the money family going here, the money going there. Come up, you know, <laughs> it's not all caroling and cookies, kids. <laughs> <laughs> So before we close, um, Lou, you did want to remind me to mention today is December 8th and um, John Lennon's anniversary. Yes, it's the day that John Lennon was assassinated. Yeah, so we just wanted to send a little... Yeah, that's a, always going to be a... I remember the moment uh, I first heard about it, and boy, oh boy, it still hits me to this day. Uh. You know, it's just really a, a heartbreak uh, thing, and it, it really is um, so, it's real commentary on our society, that how, you know, that there's something seriously wrong with the fabric of our society, that a person who really was, you know, at the very least, the very worst benign, mm -hmm. um, that this could happen to mm -hmm. such a person was just very sad. But we also must remember, it's also the Buddha's enlightenment. Yes, day. yes, they so always this is coincide the on the same day. Anniversary of the day that the Buddha sat down under the Bodhi tree and made a vow that he would not stop meditating, even if he was going to die, until he reached enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And that's what it takes. Mm -hmm. That's right. So there were kind of two extremes right there yeah, that come it? together. Yep. And yep. yeah, yeah. So don't forget to listen to John Lennon and Yoko's Happy Christmas song. Or read the Buddha's Enlightenment song. Or read the... <laughs> Absolutely. All right. And enjoy those Christmas lights out there, because we sure are when we drive around tonight. Happy holidays, everybody. Yeah. We'll see you again real soon. Okay. Okay.